Hey everybody, it's the dad who knows nothing. Very excited for this guest and it's a great picture of the benefits that technology brings us because this guest is from South Africa. His name is Didi Hoffman and he has a unique take on a special skill that you need if you're owning a business or if you're part of a business and that's the skill of being the rainmaker. Now, it's not necessarily the person who does the best work for whatever service or product is being provided, but they're the ones who bring in the clients. They're the ones who bring in the customer. And he came up with this methodology and this thought process for this very important position because of the background and the culture where he's from in South Africa, where there's a lot of tribes that have a rainmaker who literally try to make rain. So we've heard the expression, making it rain. Well, Dee Dee Hoffman talks to us about how to become the rainmaker, either in your business or for the company that you work for. I think you're going to enjoy it. And it's got a cool accent. Accent. It's always fun to listen to people with cool accents. So had a good time talking with them. Hope you enjoy. In a world where everyone knows everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. One dad stands below everyone and yells, I know nothing. Please welcome. Please welcome. This is the Dad Who Knows Nothing podcast. All right. Well, welcome to the Dad Who Knows Nothing podcast. Today, very excited to have Dee Dee Hoffman with us. Didi Hoffman is located in South Africa, but I thought it was great. He was a great opportunity to have on my podcast because he talks about a lot of things that we like to talk about on this podcast, which is about from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And Didi Hoffman has something that's called the Rainmaker, this phrase that he uses. Now, he started three brick and mortar businesses. Two were very successful and were sold for a nice profit and one not so much. So we were uh, wanting to talk to Didi today because it's really about your journey, Didi, and how you came to this Rainmaker solution for entrepreneurship. And happy to have you with us today, Didi. So thanks for joining us. Uh, it's awesome being here, Dana. Thank you for having me. And as we said just before we started recording, you know, two different weather patterns at the moment. You guys going into the summer and we going into the winter. So yeah, it's awesome being here. Yeah, very nice. It's so cool with technology. We were just talking about how when it works, it's great. And this is this is a great way because it allows us to connect, even though we're thousands and thousands of miles away. So very nice to have you. All right. So Didi, what I generally start with is is just asking people about their journey. I'm fascinated with people's journey, how they get to where they are today, whether it's business, whether it's wellness coaching, any of those types of things. Usually what I find is most people have had a lot of ups and downs. And I think your background is is a good picture of that. So so walk me through what brought you to where you are today with this Rainmaker philosophy. Yes, thank you, Dana. I appreciate the opportunity. As you said, it wasn't a, a smooth road. It's been really been an up and down road, partly because of the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think one of the things that how it manifests in my life is that I'm stubborn. I like to figure out things on my own. 
And because of that, you have to reinvent the mistake wheel because uh, you try and reinvent things yourself. Having said that, I'm a very avid reader. So I read quite a lot, but I don't read fiction. I only read nonfiction. And that has helped me a lot uh, with my journey. We started off with bricks and mortar businesses. One, my main business was a herb growing operation. And I think most of the lessons that I've learned in the rainhole rainmaker philosophy comes from that uh, because I was working in nature and with nature for more than three decades. That humbles you to a large extent. Uh, we were potted herb growers in South Africa. Advantage we have weather-wise is that we don't need to put up greenhouses and, and, and things like that. We can only put up shade netting. But that means that you are absolutely working, having to work with the weather. So I have this philosophy of seasons and going through seasons. And we did very, very well with that business, uh, extremely well. Build it up from scratch. And it was yeah, three decades, family business. So I learned a lot about family business in that as well. And then we got this bright idea to start another business because we were so good. And it was a total disaster. <laughs> total, total disaster. And I think one of the, the biggest lessons I learned from that is don't become arrogant. Because we all tend, especially entrepreneurs, we think we're so good and we think we know everything. But with that, even as early as 2004, I started doing online teaching, which was sort of tied in with the, with the growing operation. At that moment in South Africa, there was nobody that did any formal training regarding herbalism. And our wheelhouse was mostly culinary herbs. Uh, we were very strong on culinary herbs. But my interest in nature and especially in, in trees led me to become more and more invo involved with our indigenous heritage, medicinal herb heritage in South Africa. Now, we're very fortunate in South Africa. We've got more than 2,000 recognized medicinal plants. So it's, it's absolutely huge and humongous. And then I started this online business uh, doing education. <laughs> and we started with CDs. Uh, it was in 2004. So we mailed CDs. We had a one-page website where we started and, and, and collected email addresses. And I had very, very quickly built up a, a very sizable email following. And then from there, we, I, I got into the, the whole wellness thing uh, because of the herbs. We got into the wellness thing, started an online coaching business, wellness coaching business, doing banting coaching. Now, banting in South Africa is the equivalent of keto. Uh, it's just a milder form of a keto. And also did quite well there. And then I realized that to be sustainable and is that you, you have to package your knowledge in a, in a different way. Now, the, the CD business with the Herb Academy evolved, 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 and that became, and it's still my main source of income. It's doing extremely well. And what we do there is we basically what we call redo our own indigenous healers. Now, Southern Africa, the indigenous healing scene is quite different from everywhere else in the world in the sense that, especially in South Africa, you, by law, 
are recognized, uh, the traditional healers. Uh, they go through a system, which we call an initiation system. And from there, this whole Rainmaker idea was born. A lot of these students came to us, especially with COVID, and asked us to please help them take their businesses online because what COVID did for them is they were seeing patients one-to-one and suddenly they couldn't anymore. And then I needed something to explain to them that one of the first priorities they will have when they go online is that they are entering a real jungle out there in terms of competition, which they don't have in their own communities. Uh, Most communities only have one indigenous healer, some two or three. And we're talking about rural communities. They're quite far out. Um, And I was speaking to one of them one day and explaining to him, and he just looked at me and said, well, what you're actually explaining is the old traditional rainmaker. Because the old traditional rainmaker, especially in tribal communities and ancient communities, even in your North American traditional communities, the rainmaker was the person responsible for making the rain almost magically. And what was interesting, especially in, in, in Africa, is that it's not something that you are born to do. You are selected by the tribe. Usually by the existing rainmaker will select you. And then once you've been selected, you went through initiation training. And I suddenly realized that's exactly what we have to do online as well. Because in business and in the service professions like lawyers, uh, they also have the concept of the rainmaker. And that's the person responsible for bringing the clients into the business and generating business. But what's very interesting about the business rainmaker is that they are experts. They are actually the person that knows the business of the firm better than almost anyone else. But they don't like to practice. Let's use a law firm as an example. They don't like practicing law as much as they like going out and generating business. And that's the rainmaker. And it's such a great metaphor. And everybody just clicks. Um, And what it boils down in our own businesses as entrepreneurs is that you and I, when we go online, is we have to accept that role. We have to put on the hat and realize that nobody else is going to generate business for me. I'm the one responsible. And it's a long story, and it took me nearly four decades to figure that out. So (laughs) does that make sense to you? No, it absolutely does. That's awesome because I was thinking that this was just a term that had something to do with, you know, from the Western standpoint, we look at it, you know, there's a phrase, you know, making it rain, which probably has some type of, but it's usually a connotation with money. And so hearing the rainmaker from your perspective and where it came from as an actual position in indigenous tribes from your culture, that's pretty awesome where you came and showed how important that was in the business world. Because you're right, I had one position in my career where I was strictly sales commission only, right? Mm -hmm. And constantly, even when I would sell, I would constantly be concerned about my pipeline. 
I had to keep the pipeline going because if I stopped doing those things that had the pipeline coming through, then eventually the sale opportunities were drying up. So it's such a perfect analogy. Hmm. So you said four decades. So you, you have that as your, you know, as a title that you use that you're the, you're the rainmaker, but it still sounds like it's not something that you've completed, right? It's still something you have to keep doing. I'd like to think about it like I'm on a quest to figure this out. I haven't figured it out at all. And I'm figuring it out as I'm as I go along. And I think that's one of the advantages of being a little bit older is that I realize that I don't have to be right all the time. I've also the way that I'm doing it with the quest, it's similar to learning in public, which is very uncomfortable if you want to become an expert. But I've realized that my expertise and figuring out this rainmaker thing is actually two different things. So I'm quite comfortable with learning in public and sharing my mistakes and what I've learned in public with others. I do a LinkedIn newsletter, for instance, where I call the Reluctant Rainmakers Quest, where I share these journeys that I'm on. And the nice thing about that is they know that people are very helpful mostly. And they will actually comment on the things that I write. And someone will outright tell me, look, if you've just asked me, I could have told you this is not going to work. But as I said in the beginning, that's just that stubbornness of the entrepreneur and trying to work things out on my own. Uh, very much a left brainer. I wish that more of a right brain feminine side to me so that I can take more in from other people. But yeah, it is definitely a journey. It's a quest. It's a holy grail that you're looking for. And that's a nice thing about the whole internet thing is that I can actually have conversations like we have today with people all over the world and get their input. And that's one of the reasons I started my own podcast is that I can interview people and we discuss this and figure out what are the best ways to become a modern rainmaker and make it rain cash in your business. Yeah, that's so great. I think I think there's two things there that I that I want to hit on that I think you said. One you mentioned earlier, it's that humility. And that humility, I always like the phrase that says it's better to know some of the questions than all of the answers. And that's what kind of started my whole podcast is that, you know, I have three daughters of varying ages, the ones that are in their teenage years, they probably kind of think I don't know much of anything. Right. And then I have a younger one who still looks at daddy as, you know, you know, a lot and it cycles with children, but it also cycles with our life. I mean, the more we expand, the more we grow, the more we learn, the more we understand how much we don't know. And I think that humility is one of the things that you mentioned that's so key. And two, I think when you're talking about entrepreneurs, there's this sense that entrepreneurs sometimes will get that it's me against the world. I'm trying to build something and everyone else is is either a competitor or they don't want me to succeed. But what I've really found in talking with entrepreneurs and in trying to be a little bit of an entrepreneur myself is that there are many, many people who are willing to help give you a step up and are willing to help share their knowledge, just like you, to help yourself so that you don't have to go through the same mistakes. You can You can potentially skip over a few of the ones that others have struggled with. Oh, that's so true. And it's, there's a saying that it, it takes a, a village to raise a child. 
And it's the same with entrepreneur. We've got this whole thing about entrepreneurship is that it's it's a lone thing and you have to grind it out on your own. And that's just pride and stubbornness again, uh, because if you really think about it very carefully, it takes a village to raise an entrepreneur as well. It takes a village to build a business. You can never do it on your own. Yeah. And no man is an island, right? That's another one. That's yes. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. when you talk about becoming a rainmaker or go-to expert or that person who's bringing in that business, what's the single biggest advantage of taking on that role, either in an entrepreneur standpoint, or maybe you're in a business where you have that role and you're bringing in business? What What's the single biggest advantage for that? It depends to a certain extent of the type of business, but if you look at it generally, the single biggest advantage is is just putting on the responsibility. It's a personal thing. If you the moment you accept responsibility for that role, everything in your business changes uh, because it suddenly gives you focus. You're much more focused on what you need to do. I work a lot with, as I said, traditional leaders and wellness coaches. And they tend to think that because they're good at what they do, people will just flock to them and they will always have a full pipeline full of clients. And then suddenly they realize this this is not how it works. So to start out, and this is the advantage, you have to realize that you are going, when you put on this rainmaker rope, you're going to spend most of your time working to find and generate business. Yeah. So you gave the example before about a legal company. And if it's somebody who practices law, but then they become that rainmaker, now maybe they're using their skill sets to have conversations, build relationships, do those types of things, as opposed to actually being in the back room, maybe studying a case and, and handling that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a good distinction there because it's it's so important. What's your main focus there? And if you're the rainmaker. Your main focus is bringing business in versus maybe executing on the business. And then the advantages, once you've, you've done that, and when that advantage kicks in, it basically means that you are not the hunter anymore. You are the hunted. Uh, right. And that's a, that's a very nice position. That's what we talk in our industry about a waitlist practice, where you actually have a waitlist of clients and you can pick and choose. I haven't met a person like that yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm on a quest to find a few of them. So we both have podcasts. So from a podcast perspective, it'd be great to be the hunted, right? Everyone reaching yeah. out to you to be on your podcast. Uh, Absolutely. That, that's that's where, you know, we hope to get to at some point, right? Yeah. So let's say I'm a subject matter expert and I know my business. I know what I do. I know the the value that I bring to individuals. What's the biggest myths that I have to kind of overcome to say, you know what, I can I can make that move from a subject matter expert to a rainmaker? Yeah, there are a few myths, but I think the the most prevailing one and the one that's keeping a lot of people from doing it, especially again in the coaching industry and, and with a lot of subject matter experts, is the whole thing that thinking that when you become a rainmaker, you actually have to go out there and sell yourself. Now, selling yourself only works if you're in a sex trade. In other trades, it doesn't work. You don't need to do that. 
So that's that's one big myth that keeps people from that. And what I've mentioned earlier as well, and that's the second one, is thinking it's something you're born with. Nobody is born with rainmaker skills, even in the old traditions where they actually had to make rain to make the crops grow. It's it's a learned skill. It's something that you can actually go out there and learn and practice and improve on. And I think those two are the biggest ones that keeps people from not doing it. So if somebody wanted to learn some of those skills, in your experience, how have you been able to learn some of those skills? What are some of those skills to learn? As I've said, Dana, it's still a quest for me, but what I've found so far that works best is to think about your modalities in terms of how you want to deliver whatever your subject matter expertise is. So let's look at it quickly. There's basically three things in a practitioner business, uh, which differs from a bricks and mortar business. So you have your message, let's call it your message, it's your subject matter expertise. You have your your market that you want to address, which and those two tie together. And then you have your medium. And I think that's where I have found the most progress for myself because I also started out focusing on my message. And then I started, everybody tells you, you have to niche, you have to niche. And I started to niche and I didn't make any, couldn't gain any traction. And then I said, okay, focus on your medium because there's basically six different things that when you're a subject matter expert, that you can go out there and deliver on your message. Uh, And I started with, exactly what the two of us are is doing now i started with speaking speaking is the easiest one for any subject matter expert to go out there and get your message out so either get on stage if local you know if you're a coach health coach go to the local gyms go to the local food co-ops you know so many speaking opportunities where you can go and what speaking does it helps you articulate your message this is very important it helps you build your subject matter expertise and your thought leadership. And there's so many speaking opportunities, uh, exactly what I'm doing today. I'm a guest on your show. So this is, that is a speaking opportunity. I'm not delivering a talk, but I'm speaking. And the next one is writing. So you don't need to do the book thing, which is actually the best one to do of all is probably to write the book uh, because that gives you instant authority but it takes a long time and then coaching coaching is also one of the easiest ones and if you need to get your your business off off the ground those three if you can combine them because coaching you can reach out to people and say can i coach you start writing and then start speaking and i think if you work on those three you'll probably in my experience so far they're working the best for me the other ones is mentoring i do that a lot as well but I don't charge for it. So perhaps I should charge, should start charging for that, uh, but I don't. I, I, I like to give back. There's so many people that have helped me through my 40 years of being in business. So I, for me, it's just the way to give back. And then the other one is training. We do that with the Herb Academy, is putting out courses out there. And then there's facilitation. A lot of people are actually good facilitators in, in a group sense. So, And those are basically the six ways I've figured out that you can become a rainmaker, build your business, build your expertise, and build your thought leadership all at the same time. And as I've said, 
I'm only focusing at oneness at this moment in time. I'm focusing in a speaking one and trying to figure that one out and see how, how, how I can apply it. Got it. No, that's great. And those are what I like about those things is that no matter what the business is, those things can be applied. And absolutely, it's a tried and true uh, method that we've seen with lots of businesses. So we talked a little bit about your history and, and where you came from and, and you had the brick and mortar businesses. What's the most important lesson you've learned from a brick and mortar business? It seems like everything now with COVID certainly has has fast forwarded everybody to have an online presence. But at the beginning with your brick and mortar business, what what were the biggest lessons you've learned from that? I think the biggest lesson, Dana, and that's a great, great question. Um, and it still stays with me in, in the online world. And that is relationships are everything. It's absolutely, it's everything. Business is, if you look at it, it's all about relationships. And we built the, the, the herb growing operation solely on relationships. When we started that business 40 years ago, we were going into an established market with very large growers. And everybody, when we started, said to me, you're not going to make it. And I said, I will. And for the simple reason why we did it is I went out, I got into my car, and I started building relationships with all the key players in the industry. I think when we take it online, we forget that. And we think that if we make a friend on Facebook or make a connection on LinkedIn, we've built a relationship. We didn't. This is how we build relationships. The two of us sitting, chatting here. You shared some of your personal stuff with me. I'm sharing stuff with you. Um, that's how you build relationships. And building a relationship, this is just step one. Uh, if we really want to build a relationship, one of us now need to go and follow up on this relationship. In my experience, in the offline world with bricks and mortar businesses, we made an effort to build relationships. And I, that's something that I miss in the online world and that I haven't figured out yet is how do you replicate that? Because I think the moment I can figure that out, my business will just take off, my online business. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it's such a great point to talk about. I was having a conversation with uh, somebody who's been in sales for about 30 years. And we were talking about, you know, this next wave of sales, you know, the next generation. Mm -hmm. And that's the one skill I think that's going to be at a premium are those individuals that can build those relationships because so many things is now based on data and analytics and you can build amazing things with the technology that we have today but the ability to be able to have a, a great relationship with someone is something that i think anyone in this newest generation that's coming into the sales or whatever business any of those that are able to harness that are going to be head and shoulders above others because just having a conversation. That was one of the reasons why I started this podcast is during the pandemic, I just missed having conversations. I missed talking with people and learning about people and learning about their journeys and learning about what they do. And, and that I think in this world where the feedback loop is so instantaneous because it's all on technology, social media, we have a hard time doing that. And so you put something out there, you get instant feedback, but there's no follow-up. There's no continued conversations. It's just 
bam, bam, you, you, you liked what I did. You didn't like what I did. What that's all it is. And really the relationship is what allows us to be on common ground. Even if we don't necessarily agree with what people are talking about, even if we, you know, because uh, that's so important. And, and that's, that's part of a relationship is being able to agree, not agree, but still have a relationship. And, and that's the same in business. Sometimes they're going to buy something from you. Sometimes they're not, but that relationship is still there for the next time when they need to buy something. And that, that's so, that's so important. So I'm glad you brought that out. I wanted to talk about your podcast. I love your podcast name. So the badass wellness coach. show. that's awesome. How long have you been doing it? Just for over a year. Okay. Uh, my 50th episode went out last week. Awesome. Congrats. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Dana. It's, and, and, I, and I think you've already seen the few episodes that you've done that it's, it's such a nice medium. Um, and I don't know on your side, but my side is basically just, it's a relationship building tool per se. Um, I, I love that I get to reach out to people that I want to, to, to have a chat with, with. I love that people reaches out to me and say, I want to be in your podcast. So, yeah, um, can you just imagine if we had something like that, that 20 years ago in the offline world and how much fun we would have had? Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I think the, the latest count is that there's over 2 million podcasts. And what it feels like is that it doesn't feel like it's saturated yet. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons for me is when I was considering doing this, I said to myself, you know, I didn't have any delusions of grandeur. I'm like, let's say five people listen to my episodes ever. It's still going to be beneficial for me because I'm still going to be able to have conversations. And that's really the whole point of why I wanted to do it. I'm going to build those relationships and and have the good conversations that I want to have. So, and it, it sounds like we're on, we're in the same place when it comes to this. Do you have out of your 50 episodes, do you have any favorites? you have anyone that you really, really liked more than others? Yeah, and it was sort of an epiphany. I was doing these podcast episodes and playing around with different formats, and I sort of settled after 50 episodes, sort of settled on something that works for me. And then somebody invited me onto their podcast, and uh, they have never been a guest on somebody else's podcast. But this lady that invited me to be in her podcast is a, is a very accomplished journalist over here in South Africa. So I was quite honored to be on her, her podcast and decided afterwards because she's been doing interviews for her whole life. And I asked her, and her name is Mariette's name, and I said, Mariette, come on to my podcast and let's create a podcast episode about how to be a good podcast guest. And we did that episode, and uh, it was. I try and keep my episodes around about thirty minutes. It was one of. It is still the longest episode. It's nearly an hour, and it became the most popular episode on the podcast. Oh wow! Uh, and from there, it and as I say, it's an epiphany. I realized that I need to go deeper into the podcast guesting set, the whole thing, and busy at the moment. I have a few let's call them guinea pigs that are going with me through a mentoring program. And it's sort of a mentoring masterminding program because we're all figuring this out as we go along, you know, a, a sort of a blueprint that we're creating of how do you as a thought leader, as a go-to expert, try and figure out how to 
do it consistently and use it as a tool to grow your to grow your business. So yeah, just from that, you know, all the effort and you know how much effort a podcast host has to put into a podcast. I think that one episode and the result from that is already made financially the whole podcast worth worth the while. Wow, that's awesome. That is definitely one that I would have remembered as well. So very cool. I've been so excited to have you on, Didi. Thank you so much. This has been one of probably the best conversations I've had, uh, just because it's awesome to be able to talk to someone from a different part of the world and understand how you may have gotten to this rainmaker thing, you know, based on what you see in your culture and and your background and things like that. But it always amazes me how quickly it comes to those key things that are things that bring you success as an entrepreneur, as a business, no matter where you are. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the most important thing. It's relationships. I tell my daughters all the time, you know, you can go to school, you can learn, you can get the skills. But if you don't know how to build relationships with people that you're with every day, it's not going to matter. And that, to me, is one of the biggest things I'll take out of this conversation. So thank you very much, Didi. Again, his podcast is the Badass Wellness Coach Show. Any of my listeners wanted to learn more about you, do they just go to the Badasspreneurs website that I can put in the show notes? You can put that in the show notes. They'll get all my, my contact details on the badasspreneurs.com website, yes. All right. Thank you for having me, Dana. I, I had an awesome time with you. Uh, you're doing awesome work. Uh, and Just keep it up and spread the message. Yeah, let's just keep putting content out there, right? Let's keep uh, building those relationships. Thank you very much for uh, coming on, giving me a few minutes of your time. Thanks for showing us how to become the chief rainmaker. And good luck to you in your quest to continue being the rainmaker for your businesses. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for joining us on our journey to learn about various topics. If you'd like to get in touch with the dad who knows nothing, connect with him at the dad who knows nothing on TikTok and Instagram or dad knows zero on Twitter. If you have a moment and you like this episode, drop us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a great day and enjoy your journey through this game called life. Life.